and I'd just like to welcome Kay Bowman, our next speaker. Kay is from South Australia and has undertaken a very significant piece of research for the framework with Victor Callan and um, she'll be presenting to us now on that piece of research which is a major theme of this year's conference. Many of you have got started, this is how you can continue. Well I don't uh, work in e-learning but I'm certainly going home to uh, find a lot of different things and maybe start doing podcasts. Maybe I can uh, have other people realise what I might be able to offer in a more um, theoretical uh, way. Yes, I did some work with uh, Professor Victor Callan on behalf of the framework uh, about sustaining e-learning. Very simple questions. What evidence is there that um, people are sustaining, organisations are sustaining e-learning as a result of uh, the framework and its operation for the last 10 years? Uh, in going forward, what kind of factors might uh, we be able to suggest uh, to focus on uh, towards uh, moving in that direction of uh, having a permanence about uh, e-learning, which we've just been given a wonderful introduction even at the very beginning about uh, how e-learning is here to stay. Um, it's a, a fundamental requirement in the education industry to be able to embrace uh, information technology communication technologies uh, into the future, just as uh, other industries have uh, their own innovation needs. Uh, we are one of many industries in Australia, and we often don't think of ourselves as an industry. Um, Innovation is a constant requirement, uh, new products, new services, to meet uh, changing customer needs, create additional value and wealth for those that are generating them. And we can have two kinds of innovations. As you know, there can be the sort of revolutionary kind, something completely new. And that was some of the suggestions that we heard earlier about trying to use e-learning to do new things um, as opposed to incremental change of perhaps just an extension of yourself maybe uh, the idea of the CD-ROM uh, that just sits there on its own. Well, in the early days, some of the organisations that we had a look at that have had framework money, their first uh, foray into e-learning was uh, to put all their materials that they were posting out to all of their students from across the state, quite large piles of it, and that was very expensive. And so they decided they'd put it on a CD-ROM, and that was their start to the e-learning uh, activity, which has come a long way from uh, that initial thought to, to what they do today, very interactive, like some of the things that we have um, just heard from uh, Dauchi. Um, you have an idea, you might share that with someone else, um, you'll give it a go, even when you perhaps don't know how to do a podcast, but you find out how and you do it. Uh, and you will then um, be able to do that again a second time better yourself. Um, first time round we always uh, don't do as well as the second time round in anything that we do in life normally. Um, and you can share that with others and other people can start to use that practice. Uh, so we've got this continuous process that we go through and there are 
countless examples or theories of innovation. Some have a few more extra stages in them, but in a linear consideration, these are the, 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 the steps that we normally do. Now, to sustain uh, e-learning innovations, which is what I was looking at, um, this was to be able to continue all the time uh, to generate new ideas. Uh, you often hear about the journey, e-learning the journey. There is just no end to what possibly can be done using technology and at the very end of this conference we're going to hear about new emerging technologies from, um, from Michael Coughlin um, and uh, it's just a never-ending process and can seem quite overwhelming. Uh, given that you've just mastered one thing and something new comes along. So the idea is to consider how can we keep this happening all of the time. A bit mesmerising this time in the morning, isn't it? Um, I use this image because um, it is dynamic. Uh, it's a dynamic process, ever-repeating cycles of innovation, um, and it does require an organisational level look at things. An individual can start off, but I'm, I'm talking about the fact that we know that we have to have an organisation-wide approach if we wish to do e-learning uh, constantly. You just the whole audience. Yes, yes, I will move on. It sends me a bit dramatic myself. Um, but it is a spiral, you know, you, you've got to start somewhere and you just spiral out and, and you might even end up in a, in, a, in a second spiral. Someone's got that idea and I will use that idea and I will do it, something different with it. Um, plumbers thought no connection but lots of connection in terms of the basic ideas. Uh, and innovations can, can come from many, many, many ways. They can, you know, we all hear about the top down the bottom-up uh, approaches to things. Uh, where does it all start? Where does it all finish? Some people talk about the inside out, uh, starting with a particular idea and a particular person that decides I'm going to do something in e-learning and it bubbles out and up. You can also have it happen the other way. We're going to do e-learning and we're going to trickle it down. What lies in the middle to make either of these things work and to keep the whole thing together was the, the, the question that we were asking ourselves. Now, of course, there's been a lot of research. Well, actually not a lot, but some research on all of this. We went looking high and wide. And you still can't go past... Uh, these are just a few examples of um, different pieces of uh, literature we looked at because we wanted to come up with um, an idea what the factors were because our next thing was we... Um, we then looked at those factors to see how well has the framework over the 10 years gone about fostering these factors for organisations. And then we also uh, sought out 10 organisations from around Australia, private providers, public providers, uh, businesses, uh, who have had multiple funding from the framework and went out and talked to them about, well, how are you going in e-learning and sustaining it and testing out our seven factors and using it as a diagnostic tool. You still can't go past uh, a piece of research, in my opinion, that the, the framework funded in 2006 by Jasinski. Can I just get a show of hands quickly? How many people are familiar with that piece of work? Okay. I'd like to revitalise it for you all. Um, it's a wonderful, it's a large piece of work and it's, it's terrific. 
um, and uh, goes through lots of things about the whole beginning right through to the embedding process and so on. Uh, one of the organisations that we include in our study five years later was in their study as an example of innovation at the time. Uh, this particular one, she came up with the, the seven factors which were ripples that came from a US piece of work. Um, I think it's an anagram when it's like that, is it? Is that what a, 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 you know, a meaningful way of remembering things, whatever that word is, uh, to have the ripples? Um, so the order is probably to do with the fact that it created a word, um, you know, needing the resources. I'm not going to go through all of these, but uh, her work does go through all those. And there were actually uh, tools developed... Uh, and another person went on and did some work around Australia with those who are interested in the Ripples model. Um, the actual impact on people is hard to work out, but I do know that there was one Western Australian TAFE that decided they would uh, work uh, through the Ripples model and it certainly helped them to get going. So that's a framework one and you should still be able to find that on the framework somewhere. We also looked uh, overseas a little bit. Um, and Berg and Giles and uh, their order is interesting because they actually had a three building block model and their thought processes and where they started from was well it's the organisation you start with a strategic plan <laughs> uh, and then you work your way down into um, some organisational level elements you'll need some leadership, some technology and instructional design. Of course, then for programming, you know, you actually need some uh, people who are competent in all of this. So that's just one way of thinking. Uh, we also uh, had a look at uh, a piece of work by Shea and Associates, and you can see some of the common themes coming through. Uh, they get become a little bit more specific and start talking about a learning management system as a part of your important technological support. Uh, they start, uh, and, and, and they are actually from a university, so they get a bit more specific about um, the support team. They mention e-learning champions. Now, these are all part of a way of supporting people. Now, the code one I just mentioned briefly because I'm going to come to the model we used. Um, anyone heard of a code? The Australasian Council on Open Distance and e-learning. Uh, which is a peak Australasian organisation for the university sector? No, I hadn't heard of them either until I, I, I found them as I was studying for this. Um, they're quite an interesting group. Um, what they've done is created a, a whole lot of benchmarking. Um, they have a whole document that for every one of those areas, policy and governance, planning, infrastructure, your pedagogical application of e-learning, your staff development, student support, for every one of those areas, they, they have created um, a, a benchmark framework. And it starts off and it gives you a, a global statement as to what this aspect is all about uh, and uh, some performance indicators. And then it goes and starts asking you questions about your organisation and whether you do this or you do that and uh, has uh, you know, a five-point scale. So it's a way of being able to measure and monitor yourself and see where you are on all those indicators that they believe are important towards um, sustainable e-learning. The bottom one is BECTA. Now, that's the equivalent to the Australian um, Flexible Learning Framework. That's the, BEC that's the UK equivalent. 
Uh, we really liked uh, the work that we uh, saw um, from Bechter. Um, and they too, you can see, are starting to uh, talk about uh, the more management planning, your staff, and they get into learning resources, which of course you do need. That's part of your technology infrastructure uh, and your teacher and learner support. So we had a look at all of those and uh, I was asked by someone, well, why didn't you just use Jasinski? Uh, we're familiar with that. Uh, the framework put a fair bit of effort into it. Um, and uh, my answer uh, is, well, uh, sometimes a, a fresh look at things can help. It's the only answer I can give, apart from we can't have you repeating, we can't give you money to repeat what has already been done. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's all about insights. Um, and so uh, we, we've tried to um, be, be uh, insightful to, to, to help um, look at it from uh, a new perspective. We decided we'd come up with seven. So these are the seven things that we think uh, any organisation needs to focus on and have to come together to sustain e-learning. Um, and you can be at different levels on each of all of them. But we did find when we talked to the ten organisations that it did provide a good framework for talking with people. Uh, and they could identify what had helped them most, what was hindering them now. Um, and, of course, you, could, you know, if you don't have all of these, um, then your overall immaturity, which is in the, in the centre there, um, and this came and this, it's talked about overseas. Um, Bechter talks about immaturity. In Australia, I've heard it talked about as e-readiness a little bit more, that sort of thing. But... This immaturity is a combination of all those things. Um, how well you can continue the journey uh, in e-learning. Uh, what would happen if the framework disappeared tomorrow? How many of your organisations would have a bit of trouble if there was no framework tomorrow? You all think you could sustain your e-learning without all the framework things? No? Yes? Maybe? It's a good question to ask yourself. We don't know where the framework will be after June 2011 at this stage, do we? And I'm not advocating we get rid of it at all, by the way. Um, and the framework, you can actually talk about these seven factors in relation to the framework and its work over the last 10 years. The framework has worked to a strategy, three progressive strategies. Started off with the awareness raising of the concept of e-learning, the business case, why do it, what's needed and all those sorts of things. Uh, moved around into people supports and, and champions for flexible learning leaders and so on and so forth. Technology support, very big on the infrastructure, on the soft infrastructure, the toolboxes and so on. Has provided funds networks, all kinds of things. Um, and in the first place, senior leadership were willing to put up the $15 million every year out of the infrastructure money to get the whole thing started. But uh, we need to talk about it on an organisational level. And evidently I've got five minutes to do so. Now, this is, this is my diagnostic tool. And the panel this afternoon is going to continue on with some of the concepts and discussion I'm talking here so I'll be very brief now but we can we will have a chance to come back to it 
Um, we asked uh, these 10 organisations, and I'll, I'll show them in just a moment, about questions on all these different seven factors and the, the particular questions we asked are in the, re, in the research. And at the end, we said to them, all right, well, now tell us how would you describe yourself on uh, this particular scale. Now, I realised that the innovator was a bit of a problem because <laughs> a lot of them said, well, I'm the innovator. Uh, and they are in their own, own right in that whatever they are doing in e-learning is new and innovative for them. But I meant innovative here in that not only do they sustain and embed their own e-learning, but they're sort of known to be, you know, fairly prominent in helping everyone else to do it. So everyone is innovative and everyone is doing something new. And if it's your first time around, you're doing something that's new to you. And then you build on, build on it. So that category uh, didn't have the embedded user plus. It just had a, a thought leader. And you say, well, I'm, I'm a thought leader. And, and we all are because we're, we're trying to leading edge uh, what we're doing here. Uh, now, there's many ways of getting this all together and there's no one right way. As I've just said, you could start with one project. To, we, we heard that, um, is it Andrew? Yes, we heard, you know, uh, I mean, senior leaders said, you've got half time to go out there and explore. And out he went. And, um, and there's another aspect of, of the fact of Andrew, and that is he was a teacher. And I think that's a very important part about e-learning, that... Um, Pedagogy and understanding of, of, of the learning and teaching process is fundamental. Um, you, you're then trying to use a tool of technology and you do need your IT specialists, but you certainly need to understand the profession you're in and it has to start from there. Uh, so there's no... And it's a correct fit and it can come from top down, bottom up. Now, these were our ten organisations and I, I, I'm going to speak on behalf of a couple of them uh, as the... Um, the for-profit businesses um, and this afternoon. Um, we go, <coughs> one, Gitch Tape, we decided, was at the top uh, of the, uh, the uh, categories of uh, maturity. Um, that was uh, their own assessment and, and, and ours. Um, and uh, then we've got a few uh, moving down. Now, one of the things you'll notice about this is um, the time that they started to their position in terms of immaturity uh, doesn't correlate all that highly. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and I'd also like to point out that some of the, um, the sporadic, those that said they were sporadic uh, users of e-learning, were actually using e-learning um, strategically in a, for a particular purpose. So they were doing what they were doing very well. We've got the Byron Bay Community College represented here today. They've been using e-learning all around sustainability, which is their core value, living and working sustainability in all those courses. Filterfab, which is a laundry um, um, products distributor, has been helping the laundry staff uh, to make sure that they will be safe when they use the equipment. And unfortunately, what triggered that was the tragic accident. Now, when we were looking into all this um, about how everyone's... Oh, gee, that came a bit light, didn't it? Uh, we actually found four, four models of how to get these seven well, factors, or particularly the people support factors, together. Now, this example is very much... Um, Gips Tafe is a good example of this. Now, Gips Tafe set out 
1999 and they, were, they decided right from the top and the, uh, that a strategic plan was we're going to be the best flexible delivery provider in Australia. That's where they started. So very high order, big picture, this is what we're doing with senior leadership support. Um, and they uh, have uh, developed strategically and this is the thing about how uh, I want you to think about your particular innovation project you're showcasing this year. How does that relate to any bigger picture? What, why are you doing what you're doing apart from understanding that there, there's a business case, a reason for you doing it and we do need to make sure that we're actually achieving that learner retention and excitement and all those sorts of things. But how is what you've done this year is it part of a bigger picture? Do you have a strategic plan for e-learning in your organisation? Hands up if you do. All right, so we haven't got, we've only got about 50% and that's about how, how it is at the moment. So how do these things fit together? Now what they were doing, and they developed a central unit. They have a high quality technology development unit and importantly, manned by or um, uh, uh, people involved in there have educational practice. They understand the teacher's perspective. They have a high order instructional design skills and they understand technology and they also understand advocacy and problem solving and mentoring and, and facilitation. And that all comes in that central unit. And their whole purpose was to allow the teacher to teach. This is all about facilitating e-learning and we want to have everything else that needs to be happening as a support team for the whole of our organisation. They don't have a concept of champions, they just have a, a facilitation central unit going to any teacher that wants to be involved. This is just an elaboration of the first model. Queensland Ambulance Services example of this, they also have a central unit. North Coast uh, TAFE is an example of this. They have a central unit, but they also, because perhaps they're a dispersed, more dispersed organisation, they also have an individual teacher or a mentor or a champion or a link uh, into particular business units, either regionally in the case of uh, Queensland Ambulance, case of others that might be different faculties. Uh, Tabor College Adelaide has this particular model as well. It started off with a central unit but it's now moving out to someone in the faculties in terms of offering um, that conduit uh, and a, a facilitative mechanism so that the, the teachers have someone local and uh, they can also do something that fits their particular uh, business unit or region. I'm moving on. I realise the time's moving on here. Now another model we found, uh, and it's funny that I actually think this is the ultimate model, um, uh, but it's, it's come by default and I can understand if you've got a central unit that can support things, it just goes on and on. You've got someone there, you teach, you turn over, a new technology comes off, you've got some space and time, someone's looking, keeping up with all the technology and so on. But the day will, should come when we really need something a bit more decentralised and, and people, uh, it is part of their everyday teaching practice and, and, and modus operandi and uh, just the way they think that technology will be part of what they're doing. 
Now, this, this particular example comes from the Tasmanian Polytechnic. Now, as we know, the Tasmanian TAFE transformed with the senior secondary schools. They, they, they broke all that up into new organisations about two years ago, and one of them is the Tasmanian Polytechnic. Now, this is an example where the way Tasmania TAFE, they also had been a very um, a big picture going to get this all together, build all the supports, PD, all this sort of thing, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, all the things they need. When they came into the Polytechnic, of course, the leadership has to co-join two different organisations, and so their actual situation in learning, they dropped down the rank the immaturity rank. And this can happen if you take your eye off any of the balls. However, they had a lot of individual teachers that had e-learning through all of the years of the framework. And they're sitting out in the business units. And in, in the centre they have a learning resources unit that, that can be for e-learning uh, instructional design, it can be for non-e-learning instructional design. Um, they have an IT unit and they have a PD unit. And it just so happens some flexible learning leaders are sitting in two of those units. Uh, but at the moment what's happening is there's no strategic plan for the whole of the organisation. It's written in there that we'll do something about e-learning, but that's it. It's just a statement. Too big a concept trying to do all these other things at the central level. So what's happening is the individual business units with what capacity the staff have are driving e-learning in their own areas, picking up as they need to from the central who work at their elbow, so to speak. Now, ultimately, I think that's the model that we're all trying to, to get to, that everyone is just part of everything. And if you need that support, then you, you go and get it. But it's, it's, it's the minority position at the moment, uh, and it may not work because we just don't have that, um, the culture will change and we don't have uh, enough of the capacity to do it. Now, the final model, um, and this is very common, this is, this is the, uh, and, and we all use external, I mean one of the things about the framework is all the networks you can develop, you know, innovation does come from going out there and seeing what other people are doing and drawing it in and that's why you're all here today and that, those networks are really important. Uh, but you see this internal external model and I think it's very important for some small organisations we're going to have to get really smart about this because it is the larger ones that have been picking up the money and that are most advanced in, 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 in uh, immaturity. Uh, this happens a lot uh, with businesses. Teaching and learning is for an uh, end goal of pr producing the widget. Um, they don't need to necessarily have a learning management system that they have purchased and that they have internally they manage. They need to have it from somewhere if that's what they're going to do in e-learning. Um, so what they need internally versus where they get uh, resources from externally starts to come into this model. And so they might have uh, an internal uh, mentor they will draw out uh, outside, uh, an RTO, uh, so they might get a rich training organisation. So this is this whole partnership business between businesses and RTOs, which of course we know the framework's been developing. Um, and they will have some things internally, but they will source all the others externally use someone else's learning management system, use someone else to actually develop the product. What we will do is facilitate and mentor uh, its, its, um, it, the teaching and learning inside our organisation. So you don't always have to go uh, for everything internal and, and this is this thing about how do we get these seven factors together. You need them all and you need to uh, be constantly developing them all and you need to be thinking, in my opinion, about how does this e-learning innovation project that I've done this year, how is that going to help us 
sustain and be stable and permanent in the longer run. And my, just my final comment on this is where you get your money from. Now, ultimately, you know, uh, I worked with a regional development guru from um, overseas years ago. And as he said, if you're doing something new and innovative and you're seeking someone else to be involved, then if you can't put up a bit of hurt money yourself, <laughs> you've got to ask yourself, why should someone else invest in something you won't? Now, one of the things that I think was very important here is that the framework's been very good at developing new amounts of money that you can go out and get. But if that money wasn't there tomorrow, what would happen with your e-learning? How much and where are you investing your money in your organisation? How big is your own budget? Are you slowly moving your uh, e-learning source of uh, funding from an external source, if it is the framework predominantly, to internal budgets or through some other fee-for-service mechanism or, or, or things like that? And I think, um, especially now with a bit of uncertainty, uh, you need to think about that and the framework needs to think about what... Um, where it's going to place its money in future. Now, our advice about placing its money in the future is just made on observations that many organisations do not seem to know strategically where they're going. They don't have a plan. So how do they know how this little thing fits with something else? Now, I'm not saying you'd have a plan first year. I mean, you're still trying to work out what's going on. But you do need to start thinking about how whatever you're doing here is going to be built on and where it fits into that bigger plan. And you do need the leadership. And that's, that, that's the two. Now, the business case, of course, is, is, is the third part that comes. But very much, um, we need to think strategically and longer term um, and we need to start building uh, one project onto another so that we know that in relation to those seven factors, you're actually building something that uh, can last and that will allow you to continue e-learning in a sustainable fashion. All right, I think I'll have to leave it at that because you've already had half your morning tea taken away. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs>